lumière du cinéma se reflète par terre. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Poetry to Your Ears podcast. Today, we're here with Heather. Heather is a poet and a writer based in Brighton. She speaks of wild and divine feminine archetypes, the primordial natural world, and the bitter sweetness of being human. She is published in No Ordinary Words, The Real-Life Wisdom of Women, a book written by 33 women and edited by Kelly Herrick. She publishes her poems on the website Sprigs of Heather and on Instagram at Sprigs of Heather. So okay. check her out. Is that a good poem? Yeah, I love that. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. So cute. <laughs> Maybe we can start off with um, a little question about mm. yourselves. How, when did you start writing? poetry or prose yeah that's a really good question um I feel like ever since I was a young girl I always knew that I liked poetry and liked writing it but I feel like I didn't really have I don't know I wasn't so open to being creative when I was younger I had a lot of like (laughs) anxiety and shyness and I never really wrote poetry um but like the moments that I decided to write poetry I was always very like, oh, I, c- I could do this. This is really nice, actually. I really like it. But I don't have a lot of people around me who would support me to do it. So when I first started writing poetry, I guess, properly, um, was when I was 22. So just over two years ago. Um, and it's really, it felt like a very, because um, I'm a spiritual person. So I like to see kind of things happening in my life, like happening for a reason. And I feel like I'd just gone through, I wouldn't say it was a breakup because we were never together, <laughs> but I really liked this person, basically. Um, and, you know, I was kind of pursuing him and I was basically rejected. Um, and I was just, yeah, obviously you experience all those sorts of emotions when you go through something like that. Um, and I just felt, I don't know, I just I just felt the impulse to write poetry. Like there was no one telling me to do it or like I hadn't, I don't know, I, I just was like, I should just write something about it. So I went on my notes app on my phone. I just started writing about it. And then I just found that after that, I was re- I was, I was so surprised at how healing it was, like how much it f- made me feel not necessarily better, but it felt, I felt more at peace after writing about yeah, those get, sorts of getting things. Getting it out there into the world, yeah. kind of releasing it. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then I think shortly after that, I just kept pursuing that and kept getting inspired by other things in my life. So not necessarily just like what was going on at the moment, heartbreak, but like I started writing poetry about, I guess, my family or like how I used to feel when I was younger. And then I started, you know, getting very inspired by, yeah, the natural world and femininity and what that means to me. And then, yeah, I guess my poetry progressed from there. But I'd say Mm. I probably started writing poetry two years ago mm. yeah sounds almost like uh you you can use poetry as a way of exploring your feelings about mm. things like that yeah, yeah yeah i definitely think so and so you have a poem you picked a poem Indeed. eloise of, uh, of heather's this is like. a surprise poem yeah, I'm the excited poem to that i picked is wing woman Ooh. do you want to give us a little backstory or should i just start reading it the wing woman. I think yeah. I think read it first and then uh, maybe okay. Heather can uh, share what she wants to about mm. it. So it's quite a long poem. I got it, it on your website. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's on Instagram as well. No, I had never no, put it on Instagram. Just on the website. That's that. I'm really impressed that you picked that one. I'm excited to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, put together in three parts. 
Wing Woman, One the Crow. Crone, you flew down to the ground to meet me, on the wing of a crow, and you told me to open my eyes. You call, cackled and crackled. You cursed, curt and croaked, coarse, and I watch your feathers blacken. My soul saddened instinctively. Heather, you called. I deliver a warning, and I knew it was coming because I'd seen you around all the time. Black beady eyes prying open a beak, curving a call, a cavite crying, trying to get my attention. But I'd rather not listen, and I averted my eyes, blind. So the next time, you brought murder of crows. Don't silence me, silly girl. I felt them peck on my flesh, dead or alive. They taunted, haunted. You couldn't get more obvious, obstinate. Two, the owl. Crone, you came to me in the dead of night. On the wing of an owl, and you told me to get wise—a gentler approach, I must admit. A soft purr, tweetoo gooey. I stirred from my sleep, slumbered eyes and ears perked up to you, perched atop the roof of my house, and I saw you now, night vision. And your call was getting louder, but was I ready to listen? Heather, you crooned. I deliver a warning, and I knew it was coming because I see it now, cut through the nightlife of a knife, crystal clear. Yet with eyes widened, I still could not bear to hear your wise words of warning. Instead, fawning, frozen in fear, capsizing, falling upon deaf ears, deafened. Death's the end, Heather. Nighty night. I felt the crow crawl up my skin against the following morning, morning. Good grief. Three, the garden bird. Crone, you came crashing and thrashing into me, on the wing of a garden bird, and you told me I was going to die. And you realized I'd only open my eyes if you too made that sacrifice, that I'd only get wise if you too shared that same fate. So that day you flew straight through my open window. We both panicked at the absurdity of it all. Dear bird, you belong in the sky. How terrifying it must have been to die in a world so strange. Time to get brave. Dead for days, I found you later, hidden behind the dishes. Fucking frenetic, ripped my heart open, rippled the fright of our tenfold. Jesus Christ. Tearful and fearful, I laid your lifeless form to rest, and I could barely look at you. I'm so sorry. Or hold you in my hands, but I had to this time. And I couldn't hear you any more, but I didn't need to this time, because your omen of death was delivered straight to my doorstep, too close to home. Yes, you'd shown me that what happens to trapped birds, and as one of myself. And as one myself, I couldn't ignore your prophecy of what was coming to me soon. The crows croaked, and the owl never came back. I died later that week, shattered on impact. I'm still retrieving the bones. Epilogue: The Great Tit. 
But what was most twisted about all this was that the garden bird was a great tit. No, not a giant idiot. It's just the name of the bird. But I suppose it did fly, willingly and foolishly, into a home that was not its own. And finding the cage door closed, it flapped furiously with fright and flight, tried with all its tiny wing-beating might to flee. But ultimately sealed its fate, delivered as prey when the bird broke its neck in its bid to escape. O oh, crone, you have wings and a wicked sense of humour. Oh, wow. It's incredible. It's the f- this is the first time I've heard this poem. And just like you say at the end there, you ha- you know, it's dark and it has a wicked sense of humour I- in this poem as well. Mm. I mean, maybe it's strange for me to comment that, but I find a lot of humour in that poem and a lot of heartbreak and a lot of beauty and a lot of darkness and also a strange kind of hope and optimism in there as well. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's it's... It's a long poem. You said it was a long poem, yeah. uh, and I was reticent, but it didn't feel long to me when you were reading it mm. just now. Did you feel captivated in the Yeah, story? absolutely. <laughs> I really like it. How is it to yeah. hear your poem in the voice of someone else? It's incredible, and I think you read it extremely <laughs> well. And I feel like it's one of these poems that um, I've never actually read it out to anyone. Okay. Um, and it's it's one of those things where, like, yeah, the way that I... I don't know, I think you just read it so incredibly. Like, I'm really <laughs> inspired, actually, by how you read it. I would uh, I would imagine the experience of someone else reading my work to me would be <laughs> kind of, like, frustrating. frustrating. You feel like, oh, they're kind of emphasizing the wrong part. Mm. Saying <laughs> but, yeah, uh, and of course, my accent. Some words I didn't even know if that's how you say them in English. But I was like, yeah, okay, but you, whatever. you missed caveat, but <laughs> I think apart from that, it was pretty, yeah. pretty good. Yeah, you did really well. <laughs> and I think you were able to communicate the essence of it really well. I think you were able to take mm. on like the voice of the crone. Yeah, I was feeling like yeah. I, I was in the forest. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. It's yeah. got a very Halloween witchy vibe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like almost like a grim story. It is, you know. Yeah. And I really like all the alliterations. I think the the k- 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 yeah, they really make you feel the sound. Mm. It's a really great poem. I really love it. Yeah, what Thank does you. it? So, can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. Um, what what was some of the inspiration? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think first of all, I, I talk about how um, in my bio. I'm really happy because I think this poem like sums up, you know, mm. my little description, what I've written for myself. I must say it's so hard to write about what I write about. <laughs> it's yeah. so hard to have that bird's eye view and be like, okay, this is what I write about. But yeah, so obviously a huge inspiration from nature because the whole poem is, it's about me, but like it's, the birds have been an inspiration of me to sort of, I guess like project my feelings onto them or like how I identify mm. them. Um, so yeah, the natural world and uh, birds especially. I'm obsessed with birds. <laughs> like, I, I'm, al- I'm always identifying with birds. Um, like, I've written a lot of songs that are inspired by birds, mm. um, and I just yeah, I, I identify with them because they're these they're these beings, these creatures that are of the earth, but they're able to to fly and they're able to sort of kind of I guess transcend the sort of earthly realm, but they can never get to heaven. Like <laughs> this sort of thing. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like they're mm. they're kind of yeah, they're, they're bound to the earth, but they're able to fly. And I feel like I really relate to that and how delicate and ephemeral they are. And 
Yeah, so, yeah, obviously the natural world and birds were a big inspiration for me. And, yeah, so th- the way that the poem's structured is that um, I'm talking to the crone, mm-hmm. and the crone is appearing in these birds. Um, and the crone is, yeah, a feminine archetype that I really identify with. Um, so one of my greatest inspirations is in paganism, paganism, they call it the triple goddess, which are these three archetypes um, of a woman they say, um, called the maiden, the mother, and the crone. And they're meant to identify the different stages of a woman's life. So maiden is obviously the early stage, mother is the mid-stage, not necessarily having a child, but like the mid-stage of life. And crone is like the late stage of life. Mm. And crone is obviously, I don't know, I I'm, I really like the word crone, but I feel like it's quite a, what's the word, a contentious term. Like a lot of people think it's an insult, like the word hag or the word witch, like like for me it's not an insult at all but like a lot of people kind of see these as insults like if you're a crone like you're old and like gnarly and like decrepit and all of these things but like I obviously I'm a young woman (laughs) but like I actively embrace that sort of energy in my life and it's so weird like the poem that I picked to read out is called crone can you believe that (laughs) that's so funny like that's a huge crone energy and I Mm. think for me the crone so basically the poem the poem is about me like not owning up to something and the crone is appearing in these birds to try and get me to like open my eyes to admit what's going on Mm. in my life Um, something that is very dark that's why the poem is extremely dark because the subject matter is it was very dark it was um, a really unhealthy relationship that was that ended really really badly Um, and that's sort of how the poem ends with this yeah with how, how it ends when I was like, I died, I died later that week, mm. shattered on impact, I'm still retrieving the bones. Like, obviously I didn't die, <laughs> but it was a re- it, it was, it's metaphorical for like, a, like an ending, mm. a really significant and... Maybe yeah. your relationship yeah, dying. Yeah, 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 the, the relationship dying and a part of me dying too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the, the crone, the reason why I picked the crone is because the crone is the archetype of wisdom. So she's the one who can see that mm. I'm, you know, I'm not owning up to this. Like I'm I'm continuing to choose to be in this relationship. Well, it's more nuanced than that, you know. Um, but, you know, I was avoiding something um, that I had to own up to. And she she's the one who has wisdom and she has the all-seeing eye. And she's trying to say, like, look, this is what's going on. Like mm. coming down in all these signs. You know what I mean? Because um, the um, the crow obviously is associated with death, um, like the black, like yeah, a black bird. I don't know if you know the book "Grief Is the Thing with Feathers" by no. Max Porter. I'd really recommend it. It's kind of like an experimental prose poetry book about grief, mm. and it uses a crow as its inspiration. Um, so obviously, the crow is kind of the omen of death and darkness, mm. and then the owl is um, yeah that that the being of the night that's wise and it's more gentle um, but it's still a bird of prey you know it's still a predator and then obviously the garden bird was more innocent um, and that shall I do you want to ask a question because I'd love to talk about that section about the garden bird yeah sure yeah shall I shall I just talk about it now or yeah yeah okay <laughs> so the way that the poem is set in three sections so the first one is the crow the second one is the owl, and both of them are similar. That they're trying to draw my attention towards something, mm. but like, I have a lot of fear and I'm not owning up to it. Mm. And there's all these sorts of asides 
throughout the poem, you know, like good grief, like all, all of these sorts of things that like are drawing towards, yeah, that, that knowing that something dark is going on, but like not really wanting to open up to it. And then the, the garden bird section is different because that's more of a, that's actually what happened to me in real life. So I can't remember what, what it says now, but it's like, you came down to me or like you crashed into me like you flew through my open window and like I found you dead behind the dishes like that literally happened to me like I'd gone for a walk opened my window because it was a hot day not thinking like it wasn't like a huge window like I found I still find it crazy that a bird managed to fly through the window into my Mm. house um but it did I got back and I opened the door and it was flying about frantically I was like oh my god like so stressful obviously (laughs) um and I was like shit like I opened the door I opened up all the windows and then you know after a minute or so, it wasn't there anymore. So I presumed it had flown out. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, days later, I found it dead behind the dishes. Oh, oh my God. It was awful. It was so, so <laughs> traumatizing. Yeah, image. So stressful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's one of those things where, like, so it, it had flown into the, um, the closed window and it would have broken its neck. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously, like, maybe it couldn't perceive that it was closed, you know, because mm-hmm. it was transparent. Um, and... That was literally just a few days before the breakup, literally. Because when that happened, I, you know, in that poem, I said I something like, um, you knew that I would only own up to it if you shared the same fate as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I know what happens to trapped birds. And as one myself, I knew the fate that was coming soon. Mm-hmm. And like your omen of death was delivered to my doorstep. Mm. And that was really significant, like, uh, it's really, really dark sense of humor, but like in hindsight after that, I was like, that would make a really good poet. <laughs> because it's, it's so, it's literally poetry in real life. Yeah. But, but this is what I wanted to ask you. So I'm, I'm always interested how how many sessions people write a poem in. And so this, this seems to me like you kind of built this uh, in multiple writings mm. rather than you sat down and wrote it all in one go yeah yeah um, is that yeah it was definitely the case like the weird thing is I wrote this poem in a very different way to how I usually write poetry because usually it's normally kind of if not just one sitting like it's I do the main bit in one go like that sort of outpouring of emotion and then I might come back to it and then like do a little bit of um, editing um, but this one I I kind of knew what I wanted to say. Like I knew, it's funny, like the ending line, oh crone, you have wings and a wicked sense of humor. Like I think I came up with that first, mm-hmm. like, cause I was thinking about the experience of what happened to me and the bird and how I related that to my own experience. And then enough time had passed for me to sort of see. And to find a, it funny. To find it well. funny and to find it be like, oh my God, like what I went through was so awful and terrible, but now that I'm out of it, I can kind of see like the sort of yeah. the dark humor in it all. So, um, so, yeah. so this is so. Do you kind of do you kind of go through life looking for things that might make good poems, things that might make good lines? Uh, is your mind geared in that direction of being sensitive to subjects that may make good poetry? Yeah, um, I'd say. 
I just, I don't know. I feel like lately in my life, everything has been quite smooth sailing, touch yeah. wood. <laughs> so yeah. lately, I haven't really been like, oh, that would that would make a good poem. But sometimes I do kind of come up with little lines in my head mm. um, that are inspired, not necessarily by events, but like maybe feelings that I felt or like, yeah, more, more just like, yeah, less events, but more how I feel about something. And then I'll, if I really like it, then I'll jot it down and then it might be the inspiration for something like this one was but a lot of the time it's not necessarily like that the the way it's laid out is very specific mm. as well right like mm. it, it's, it's clear to me that you've put a lot of thought behind how you've presented it mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. like for example the color of the page mm-hmm, and yeah. the way you've laid the text out yeah, yeah and i know when i when i write um when i do a little bit of experimentation with laying text out I am really super carefully thinking about how someone's processing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I'm going out of the norm. Mm. Um, so, and and it's when someone reads it, it's a different experience than if you yourself read it out loud. Mm, mm, and mm. what's what's your preferred way of uh, people experiencing your poetry? Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, I feel like initially it was always to be read. Um, and I, f- I feel like it's it's still like that now. But I, I have started to write things more with like a voice, a speaking voice in my head. Um, that is more meant to be experienced being listened to. Mm. Um, and I feel like there's, it's kind of a bit of both. Like the way that I... Yeah, I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I feel like when I'm writing poetry, I'm like I I'm saying it in my head. Like the way that I come up with poetry, it's like it it it's coming from me and it's coming out as my voice. But I'm writing it down and want it to be read. But that being said, because I've sort of spoken it in my head first, if I read it out, it would have a similar. It it would still work. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm not sure if that makes sense to me. Um, yeah, no. I, so, but in your mind, the 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 voice is always of Heather. Um, for example, you don't write as other characters, or I feel like I don't know. It's it's weird. I feel like sometimes the way that I like to see it is that I channel or like I take on the energy. So, for example, in this poem, when I'm like crone you did this or that um and then like i'm hearing what she's saying it's yeah it's not necessarily always me because not all of my poetry is about i did this i did that sometimes it's more descriptive but um i don't know i feel like there is i think you know it i think it's one of these things where like if you read a poem or listen to a poem i always want people to know that i've written it like there's mm. a certain way that I write and speak that I want that I want to kind of keep. Um, Is it that you're talking to yourself with the voice of the crone? Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. So yeah. sometimes I actually do this as like a a journaling practice or like a self um, help. Self help is not the word, but sometimes like I'll write to myself because I really identify with archetypes, different archetypes. Because I think one thing that I've struggled with growing up is. 
I couldn't decide who I was. Like I felt like I had so many conflicting sides of myself. Like there was a side mm. of me that was very like innocent and like naive and like playful and joyful. But then there was a part of me that had like a really wicked sense of humor and was quite dark and I couldn't decide who I was and I thought these were all at odds with one another but like working with archetypes it's this sort of idea mm. that we have all of this within us um, so that's why it inspires me with, my, with me with my poetry so sometimes I even write to myself in the voice of a different archetype yeah. so like from my inner witch or like my inner warrior mm. or this sort of thing almost like a tarot cards yeah, yeah I, re- I really love tarot cards yeah, yeah. All, all this sort of thing it's yeah yeah, yeah, yeah what yeah. I really like in it is that you use images that are kind of universal, mm. like the crow and the owl mm. and the bird, like the garden bird. Mm. It's, I feel like there's a common imagery yeah. as to what they represent mm. and we can all understand. Yeah. But there's also the kind of subculture, like pagan witch subculture, yeah. which is more niche, mm. but it also draws on that kind of more widespread yeah. culture. And it's, it's really great how you use all these different images and oh. the dialogue of each other. Thank you. That's such a really wonderful way of expressing that. I think that's why I really love talking about nature because it is so accessible, literally. We we live on Earth, so (laughs) Earth is the most accessible thing to everyone. So Mm. kind of using that as a vehicle to maybe talk about more niche things or specific things, it's it's a way of like being accessible and kind of maybe shining a light on something that people may have not thought about before or seen in that way, but still it, it being familiar enough for them to grasp it yeah because sometimes I feel like if I just wrote poetry that was just completely pagan um a lot of people who weren't into that would be completely confused and be like well what's this about but Mm. I really want to make it accessible yeah 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 I agree with you nature is really accessible (laughs) talk about all the elements and yeah everyone relates to the wind I don't know Mm. Mm. I'm, I'm really fascinated now to hear uh, the poem that you've chosen. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> since since the, it so dovetails into literally so well. <laughs> Thank you. This is all a big conversation about the crone. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible how that's worked out. And um, let me just get it up on my phone. Um. So. Yes. This was actually. This is probably my favorite poem that I've ever written, and mm, it's actually. Great called it's actually a set of three po- similarly mm. to this one it's it's divided into three um but it's actually the same poem <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is so this poem is called maiden mother crone so it's a set of three poems maiden mother and crone okay. um but they do exist as standalone poems in my eyes mm. um but interestingly enough the crone part of the poem is the only one that i've ever used as a standalone poem, if okay. that makes sense. Normally I like to kind of do it as three, but I feel like the crone one, I don't know, I think it's just, just my favourite one. Um, and, yeah. So You're going to read is, everything, right? I'm just going to read the crone one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it's part of a trilogy. It's part yeah. of a free... Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could uh, I could read all of it, but I don't know how much time we have. Do you think it would be better if I just... How long is it? It's... About roughly... 36 lines, I think it would take about three and a half, four minutes. Yeah, read everything. You always read everything? Yes. Excellent. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, this is Maiden Mother Crone. Maiden. Sweet maiden of the land, her beauty sings like the birds. You'll find her amongst flowers. 
Generous and gentle, she unfurls her petals, and as she blossoms, the earth flourishes. Fruitful and in her youth, the hills swell with her soft curves, and her delicate features frame the red sky at night, and oh, how the shepherds delight. But man decides to bleed her dry, there on her flower bed. He takes her, he ravages and disparages her, he takes, and he takes, and he takes. And now her soil, once so fertile and fresh, is left barren, bereft, spent. Now, with no fruit left to bear, man seems not to care and takes himself elsewhere for another maiden to violate. I weep for you, sweet maiden. Man's taken advantage of you. But now we know why the rose grew her thorns. Mother. Dearest mother, life-giver, her bubbling wellsprings spill into vast oceans and spans the earth, creates, cultivates, nurtures, grows, provides home. O oh, Mother Earth, from birth you have breathed the life into our lungs and the first birds sung in jubilation. But man, disgraced and in hubris, flies the nest straight into the sun. Uprooted from the ground that grew him, he severs our ties with nature. So we begin to unravel. Loose threads fray, and in the frailty of man's ego, he rejects where we're from. We've declared ourselves orphans, but man does not mourn. Yet our mother looks on, and the tears for her lost sons and daughters fill waterfalls, rivers burst their banks, and man still doesn't seem to understand that this cut runs deep enough to drown us. I'm so sorry, dearest mother. We've committed the most inconceivable betrayal of all. But now we know why she sends us storms. Crone. Oh, wise crone, you've grown with the mountains, and like them, you're immovable. Steadfast, you amassed your wisdom over many years, and the birds crane their necks to hear your words, spoken between the trees, and the oak agrees, a sage himself that we should pay heed her wisdom. But man does not listen, and so will never learn. Instead will burn ablaze in man's crazed pursuit of reason. He thinks he has the key, but the answers we need are not found in our heads, but by our feet. In the resilience of rocks, the rootedness of trees. Oh, but we wouldn't believe it. So man climbs the mountain to curse the crone that knows more than he ever dare admit and swipes her seat at the summit of creation. But erupting now in volcanic rage, the wise crone seethes rapid flames to scorch our arrogance to ashes. Finally, in the fire, we feel her scorn. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, so can um, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, obviously you, you've chosen this term man mm. and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like a double thing where it's mm. like you're talking about 
the arrogance of men mm. um, traditionally, but it's also you're kind of you're kind of winking at this term of man being used for humankind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you kind of exactly, it's like yeah. a kind of um, so. Yeah, I mean, it's just a just an observation, I mm, suppose. Mm. Um, it's it's interesting. You're kind of expressing frustration in, in that way, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. To what extent do you use um, kind of the description of these archetypes mm. in paganism mm. compared to you maybe your own uh, imagination? Mm. Of these archetypes. What, what do you mean by that? Sorry. Um, well, this kind of common, like an archetype has this kind of common description mm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. imagery, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then there's what you make of it mm. and how you appropriate oh, it yourself. Yeah, good point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like in this poem itself, it's definitely linked to personal experience. So mm. with the maiden, I've talked about how she's sexually taken advantage of the mother she's not appreciated for everything that she does and the crone is not listened to for the wisdom that she has and those are personal experiences but I know they're universal well, not universal perhaps that's not the right word but they're collective experiences mm. of young girls girls women people who identify towards the feminine um, so for me I I have this idea of what the maiden the mother the crone are like you know for, for the wisdom that you read in books and how people talk about it but the way that they're expressed in this poem it is definitely as you said it's it, it was a vehicle for me to express the frustration that I personally had so yeah mm. you that's definitely I'm definitely there's a lot of me in that poem mm. but I really wanted to write a poem that was as you said like talks about man but for me because I've written it and I've read it so many times for me it's it's not about it's not about men anymore. It, it's about humanity. Um, and that's why I, I really, really liked that. <laughs> I thought it was really clever how, how, how I talked about man, man does this, man does that. And depending on sort of maybe what, what's on your mind right now or where you are in your life, like you may either, you might either perceive that mm. as, as a feminist issue, like, okay, so men are doing this to women or like, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's more nuanced than that. But like the, this, this is a sort of toxic masculinity um, that we're suffering from. Or like if you if you're kind of seeing it from more an ecological perspective, then you're like, okay, so this is what humanity is doing. Like humanity is pillaging the world of the resources. You know, mm. it's um, not appreciating that this is the the home that we have, and it, it's not appreciating the wisdom of the cycles of the earth. So for for me right now, the way that I perceive the poem, I see it as a as a ecological issue. Mm. But when I wrote it, I was definitely I, I definitely was it was more of a feminist thing mm. and it felt like it kind of also it felt like the wisdom of the earth was sort of speaking through me like I didn't consciously want to write that yeah. are they mutually exclusive though can you have a eco-feminist interpretation oh, of it yeah well no they're not mutually exclusive at all I think it, ideally I would really love it to be perceived completely in an eco-feminist way um, but um, I mm. feel like mm. yeah do you ever write about your own kind of masculine energies because I feel like the way you talk about femininity is more in this kind of energy that is in everyone yeah that doesn't depend on people's gender yeah absolutely yeah. but equally there's the 
kind of masculine energy. Do mm. you ever write about that? Yeah, I've actually started to. Um, I like I have written recently on the masculine energy, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, as you said, like for me, it's not about womanhood; it's about femininity, and I really do believe that it is accessible in every single person. But obviously, like for me as a woman, I really like these more. I I, I like every. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like for example, the word lover or warrior. Or like even witch, like these names, they're not necessarily gendered. Mm. Um, but also at the same time, I really like things like maiden or mother that are more connected to womanhood. Um, I don't know. I am a woman, but I, I'm a very fluid person and I definitely identify with all of this energy. For me, I'm more inspired by femininity. I think also for me to help me embrace my femininity more. Mm. Um, that's why I write a lot about it and not so much about masculinity, but I am also interested in it and I have started writing about it recently. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Exciting. I know. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll write a poem called like Warlock or something. <laughs> <laughs> or like, I don't know, what the male yeah. equ- masculine equivalent is. I feel of. like it could, it could do like a good poem, poetry collection. Yeah. Like femini- femininity, masculinity. Mm. It's like in two parts. Mm. Food for thought. Mm. Do you want to talk to us about your book that you've been published in? Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, tell us all about it. Excited. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, it's how it started is that I was involved. So there's a charity, a UK charity called Tree Sisters, um, and it's it's an amazing charity um, that it champions like women's leadership and the reforestation of the earth. So they raise money to plant trees, basically, and they've mm. planted like millions of trees, which is amazing. Um, and they're a really cool company and they they do things in a really different way. Um, and it's very, very humble and it's very people focused and community focused. Like it's not like, oh, we're this amazing charity that plants lots of trees, give money to us. It's like we're all in this together. We're just kind of like the the initiator. Mm. But we're all we're all like we're all tree sisters or tree brothers or tree siblings. Do you know what I mean? We're all connected to the earth. Um, and then there was a um, a creative, they, they, they do courses, online courses, and they have online communities. And they do this thing called, I'd really recommend if this is what you're interested in, they have a course that they run seasonally um, called Liberating Our Creative Voice for the Earth. Mm. And, you know, as you've heard from all my poetry, I'm very inspired by the earth. And, you know, that was kind of why I write for. I write write for the healing of humanity and the earth. Um, So I I got involved in the course that they ran. And it basically is just like a a set of Zoom calls um, where we do creative things together. But it's also an online community where people who have creative ideas and are looking for collaboration, they can start that sort of thing so that's how it started the woman who published it called Kerry Herrick um, she she basically said I want to create this book um, that shares the wisdom of women and I want it to be this sort of the ethos was that like every woman has a story to share like you know because we live in a celebrity culture don't we where mm. like we really like idolize these people who've only done a few this people have yeah a story. absolutely yeah. there's only the certain few blah 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 like, um but she was like every person has a story and i think that's why it's called no ordinary words like i think she wanted to include the word ordinary and to be like every 
single person, mm. not just women, but like every single person has a story. Um, and we're all extraordinary in our own way. Like, you know, Ivy is, is really humble. Um, so basically she said, yeah, I really want to start up this book. I can't do it by myself. I want people to be involved. Um, and this, I heard the call for this in October, just before I moved to Brighton, actually. Mm. Um, Where were you in before? I was living in my parents' house where I grew up in a place called Filey in North Yorkshire. I don't know if you know where that is. It's it's by by the sea okay. uh, up north. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so as soon as I saw that, I it was one of those things where I don't know if you experienced this, but like my sort of my conscious mind wasn't working at all. Like because if if it was, I would have been like, oh, like this is scary. Like oh, I don't know if I'm ready to share my words. But there was a part of me that was like, this is the perfect opportunity. Like you have to do this. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because. You know, I'm also writing a book at the moment um, and, you know, I'm hoping like, well, no, in the future, I want it to be published um, by an agent. I might do it myself, um, but I knew. It's a book of poetry? It's it's a, um, no, it's a, how do I describe it? It's, it's, it has lots of styles in it. There's poetry in it, but it, it's more of a nonfiction philosophical book mm-hmm. that kind of is about everything that I've talked about today about like femininity in the earth. Um but because that's my goal, to be like an author of books, I thought this is a fantastic opportunity to be published for the very first time in a book. Um, you know, it doesn't require me sending emails to people being like, do you want to mm. publish me? It, it literally was someone inviting me being like, you know, if you if you fit the criteria, if you've got wisdom to share, if you align to this ethos, then come come join us. Um, so... That, that was great. And then I, I said, yes, I'll do it. And they were like, cool, we'd love to have you on board. And I joined very close to the draft deadline. The draft deadline was um, Halloween. So it was literally just under a month for me to write my chapter. And they said about 1,500 words. And obviously, um, they... they there's a fo- they had a folder where other women had uploaded what they'd written. So I, I got to have a sense mm-hmm. of what people had written about. And even though it was made in the context of this, you know, wisdom of women and the earth, like she, she specifically said, like, it doesn't have to be about these things. It could be about any sort of life experience. Like what she really wanted was just to shine a light on, yeah, the stories of women, like whatever they are. Um, and under the idea that if, you know, other people could read it, regardless of your gender and like relate to it or like maybe get an insight or feel solidarity and knowing that someone else has gone through the same thing um or inspiration um so what did you write about ah here (laughs) we go so it won't surprise you to know that the title of my chapter um was a feminine archetype (laughs) and it was called maiden and um it's so funny like i i had this sense of feeling within me saying it should be called maiden and i didn't know why it's the same feeling i had when it was like you should write poetry it's like i don't know where this is coming from um and i i was procrastinating for so long and i was like how am i gonna write this i don't know what to write about um and um i just sat down one day and i just started writing and then i was writing for about 40 minutes and I had written it. It sort of happened like that. I was flally. I was like, oh, God, I don't know what to write about. I don't know how to write it. Like, should I plan it? Should I think about it first? It's just one of those things where, like, the moment aligned and I just wrote it. And basically, it's about, it's a memoir, basically. It's a memoir of 
my life so far. Um, and quite significantly, the past year of my life, when I wrote it, so the past year and a half, was a, a huge significant turning point in my life. And that's what the poem, like, Wing Woman, was about, the turning point of this really terrible relationship and the breakup, and how that really forced me to turn my life around. So where can where can people find this book? Where oh, can people read it? Amazing. So it's published on Amazon. Um, so if you type into Amazon, no ordinary words, it should come up. But also, it's, it's like in Kindle or published. Yeah, in, yeah. In, so you you can buy it on Kindle, it? but it's also a physical copy that you can buy. Um, so you can have a look on Amazon, but also on my Instagram, I have a link, and you can click on it and buy yeah. it there. <laughs> what's uh, what's how do you see the future for Sprigs of Heather? Oh, wonderful! Oh, so um, yeah, how Lulu and I met. Like um, I started going to more spoken word. Um, events um, last month um, I did my first poetry reading spoken words in November and that felt more for me like less I'm a poet and want to it speak was on a, stage a words by the water yeah right? yeah it was a words by the water mm. um, that we've talked a lot on the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I feel like um, for me it was less I was less concerned about being a visible poet but more concerned of what I actually read, like I really wanted to say it. Do you know mm. what I mean? It felt like I had to say it, <laughs> to say it to people. It's like it was really powerful. But then recently, I've been like, you know, I want to, I want to know more poets. I want to become more visible in Brighton as a poet. So I have started going to more spoken word nights. It's, I mean, I've only gone to like say three since then. But for me, that's more. Um, so for me, I, yeah, I just want to keep speaking at more poetry and spoken word nights keep writing challenge myself with my poetry to write I guess more spoken word things I would say because I had a lot of resistance towards that for a while mm. and if it's anything that I know it's that if I have a resistance towards something it's always something that I think mm. I should be I should do or like at least try out yeah. um yeah and ju just keep speaking and yeah af after the publication of this this book being part of a book like that that's how I would like <laughs> to continue um so don't know how how far in the future because I'm still writing this this book at the moment, but I do, yeah, I do want to have this published and mm. I do want people to read it. Yeah, that's that's the the grand future. This Great, we well, wish you all the luck for the future and yeah, hopefully you'll be back on the show talking about all your achievements. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you for talking to us. That was a great pleasure. Oh, yeah, thank, thank you for coming us. today. Yeah, we'll see you at Poetry Open Mics in Brighton and hopefully in New York. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Great. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Oui, mais il faut dissimuler. Je dois attendre que tout se passe.